Welcome to Housing Developments. I'm Jerry Howard. I'm Jim Tobin. Good morning. Well, Jim, we're going through our first uh, snowstorm in what, the last five years here in D.C.? Yeah. It's interesting that uh, the schools, which had become so expert at virtual instruction, decided to get a, a free snow day. Yeah, a cheer, a cheer went up in, uh, in our house when the, when the, no, the, the note came through that they were going to... Uh, Old school off today, um, so they're they're pretty psyched. Well, listen, what uh, what is going to happen this week on Capitol Hill? Is there anything interesting uh, in town that we need to be aware of? Yeah, I, I, with the the I think first and foremost, the the, the in the Senate side, the, the confirmation processes or processes for the uh, for Joe Biden's cabinets continue to move. We're going to see some committee votes this week. Uh, we assume uh, we, we definitely are going to see one. On uh, Governor Raimondo uh, for Commerce Secretary, uh, we may see one at the end at the end of this week for uh, for Representative Marsha Fudge uh, for HUD Secretary. Uh, they went through their hearings last week. By all accounts, like every like every nominee, you, you skate above the surface. You don't get too down into the weeds, and you promise to uh, to uphold law or the or the current regulations. Uh, so I expect we'll see some more committee action this week. Uh, now, there will be a pause because the Senate is, is slated to start taking up the impeachment trial, the second impeachment trial for Donald Trump uh, next week. So that will uh, that will consume all the floor time for a week, if not two. Um, and so I think we'll have a little bit of a pause, like I said. But uh, and then the other the other piece of this is that we expect that the House and Senate to start moving their budget resolutions, which are designed to uh, set the stage for using the reconciliation procedures to move Joe Biden's uh, $1.9 trillion COVID relief plan. Uh, so that's uh, that's that's basically the Democrats going alone. So all over the weekend, a, uh, a group of 10 Republican senators led by uh, Susan Collins and Mitt Romney, uh, who sent a, a smaller $6 billion, $600 billion plan to the White House for their COVID relief package. So obviously it looks like uh, there's uh, maybe some some back and forth going on here on on the next COVID relief package. We'll see if the Democrats want to try to to get those ten votes to uh, to move a package forward. Well, let me talk to you about that for a second because I was very interested that those ten Republicans went went there, and as I understand it, they're actually going to the White House today. Um, let me ask you: Do you think that those Republicans uh, talked to McConnell and the leadership first, or do you think that they? went totally on their own and sort of uh, broke away from the party. I my I believe they talked to McConnell. I think McConnell is a leader. They 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 generally keep him informed of things and McConnell probably gave it a tacit blessing to say go ahead and give it give it a run. Um you know, he's still got to be responsible to uh to the other the other 40 members of of the Republican caucus. So yeah, no, I think I think he knows about it. He may have said, "Look, uh, good luck, uh, Godspeed, and we'll see where it goes." And McConnell said, "I'm not gonna I'm not gonna weigh in whether or not he would even vote for it himself." Um, but yeah, no, I think he, he's probably well aware of it. Do you think that this is further sign of a moderation in uh, at least the Republican Party as? Uh, one that is willing to go back to the notion of bipartisanship. I do, I do. I, I think there's there's a group of, of these these ten Republicans at least. Let's I assume there's more uh, in in the other the other forty. Like I said, that are 
that, that are interested in trying to see if they can't legislate. Um, and, and I think they'll, they'll go as far as they can. And it'll be up to Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer to decide whether or not they want to reach across the aisle and, and get you know, 60 or 70 percent of the loaf that they want rather than 100 than percent. But, yeah, I'm, I'm optimistic that they're trying to move away from some of the senators out there uh, who are really defining not only the right wing, but in, certainly in the mainstream media. Uh, they're the ones who are defining the Republican Party right now. And there are there are these moderates who want to try to pull it back to to, to legislating and more importantly, this kind of idea of bipartisanship and, and moderation in the Republican Party. Well, I'll tell you, in my view, it's telling, if not damning, uh, that they went to President Biden rather than go to Chuck Schumer or Nancy Pelosi. Uh, what that tells me is uh, they probably sent out feelers to the Democratic leadership in Congress and were rebuffed. And that's unfortunate because, uh, as you and I have talked about a million times in the last uh, six months or even longer, bipartisanship compromises what's needed. I applaud those 10 senators. Uh, whether it works or not, it shows a, an adherence to the basic foundations of governing that the founding fathers in the constitution laid out. So I applaud them very strongly. Hope we see more of it. Hope that we'll be able to take uh, advantage of some of this because housing is truly a bipartisan issue. Uh, speaking of housing, uh, you know, one of the big issues that's facing us right now is, is housing finance. Uh, what's gonna happen to Fannie and Freddie? Uh, what's gonna happen with any kind of a housing bill? And so I think it's great here to uh, it, it, to have with us today our colleague uh, and one of the undeniable experts on housing finance here in Washington, uh, Dave Ledford. Dave, thanks for joining us. Hey, Dave. Thanks for inviting me, uh, Jerry and Jim. So, Dave, let's start with uh, the age-old problem. It's as old as uh, as the republic itself, it seems, and that is Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. Uh, what do you see going on there from the regulatory perspective, uh, as well as uh, as any potential for any legislation that you and Jim can work on? Well, there's been a lot of concern late last year that regulator director Mark Calabria from the Federal Housing Finance Agency was going to try to work with Secretary Mnuchin to try to get Fannie and Freddie out of conservatorship before the Trump administration left office. That didn't happen. The one thing they did do was to make some arrangements for Fannie and Freddie to begin a building capital, which is very important. That's really the first step in housing finance reform. So uh, they put the first brick of foundation in place and uh, hopefully uh, the new administration can now build on that. But right now uh, we're hoping Congress will turn its attention to that sooner rather than later. I know that the whole COVID crisis will probably postpone that for some time, but that's uh, a long overdue. We've been more than 12 years with Fannie and Freddie conservatorship. And when the 17-year locusts come around again, I'm hoping uh, Fannie and Freddie will at least be on their way to a different future. Yeah, Dave, you talked about legislation. I mean, can't can FHFA and Treasury do this on their own? Or how how we always talk about the need for Congress to step in, but you know, given that you know what Jerry and I talked about, there's there's obviously hope that we can get to some more of a bipartisan nature on Capitol Hill. Uh, and there's going to have to be a will by uh, by by Chairman Sherrod Brown and Chairwoman Maxine Waters. But how how far can uh, the administration go? Uh, to kind of returning to some normalcy? 
Well, they can certainly uh, move to take steps to push Fannie and Freddie out of conservatorship. I think there's a lot of people that want that to happen, including the uh, the current investors in Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. They'd like some return eventually on, on their investment and uh, in, in the stock that they've made. But there's a whole lot of problems with that. Number one, without congressional action and if Treasury ends uh, its current arrangement with Fannie and Freddie that, that has them in conservatorship and has Treasury support, it will be unclear to what extent the federal government is backing Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, and that may have some immediate impact on uh, the price of their securities and, and the availability of mortgage, availability and cost of mortgage credit. So we'd like to see uh, that the federal backstop is uh, is definitely explicit and uh, and permanent before Fannie and Freddie are, are, are free from conservatorship. The, the other issue is they owe the Treasury a lot of money. And as they build capital and they're not making their payments on the debt that they owe Treasury, that, that continues to accumulate. And so it gets bigger and bigger. And at some point, I think Congress has got to decide whether any of that debt can be forgiven. And uh, I think that's that's a big step that will require uh, congressional action. Let me ask you two questions, Dave. Um, The first one is uh, is Director Calabria. There there was a lawsuit pending at the Supreme Court as to whether or not uh, President Biden can unilaterally dismiss him. Um, Previously, it had been believed and as common practice had been, once those independent regulators were put into place, they served out their full terms, even if the administration changed. What's the status of that, and where do you see that going? Yeah, there's been a constitutional challenge, and this is part of the lawsuit that the Fannie and Freddie investors have made, saying that the sweep of Fannie, the current sweep of Fannie and Freddie's profit is illegal, and that they should be getting those profits. And as part of that lawsuit, they challenged whether uh, Director Clabber is actually, uh, his status is actually constitutional because uh, he can only be dismissed for cause. He can't be dismissed uh, at the whim of the president. And so uh, there, there is a suit going to the Supreme Court. There'll be, there may be a decision on that as early as the spring, and uh, that will determine whether or not Biden administration can replace uh, the director with someone that they, that they prefer. Now, you, you mentioned the, the stockholders, the investors, once again, uh, really meddling in uh, or asserting their influence into the, the operation here. Uh, it, there was talk a few years ago uh, that the investors actually uh, set up what you would call, I guess, straw men as advocates for low-income housing to try and forestall the legislative reform of Fannie Mae that they allegedly behind the scenes uh, put in a lot of money to see those efforts killed. And now you see them trying to influence it uh, with respect to the court system. Has this ever happened in your experience? Do you think it's a positive development? Or is there anything that can or should be done to stop that with investors playing such an upfront, proactive role uh, in, 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 the, in the process? Yeah, this all stems from the, the, the way Fannie and Freddie operated as in part uh, a government-supported uh, entity and in part a privately owned company. And that's why we need to change their charter 
Uh, so this type of inflicted behavior will not continue. Yeah, Dave, is there any way we could we could pull kind of a GameStop thing on the uh, on the? Uh, <laughs> any way to drive their value down so they don't they don't get this windfall if they get? <laughs> well, the value has dropped quite a bit when uh, Treasury and, and FHFA were unable to release them for conservatorship. So I'm not sure how much lower it can go. It <laughs> certainly could go a lot higher. If anyone from the SEC is listening to this, that was a, a colloquy taken on by. Jim Jim Tobin and Dave Ledford, it does not necessarily reflect the views of NEHB and certainly does not reflect my own personal views. <laughs> I'm just asking the question out loud. Uh, Dave and Jim, we're going to have, uh, Jim, you mentioned we may have uh, Secretary-designate Fudge confirmed uh, this week. Uh, there has been some more, uh, uh, I guess, focus put on what she might or might not do. Can you guys fill our listeners in and talk about what we may be doing? Well, I can I can start out, Jerry. Uh, we've heard uh, quite a bit from Secretary Designate about her her, uh, her interest in housing, and they have really uh, clearly focused very much on the very low income side, those of the greatest need. And so, it's very clear she's going to put her attention in that direction. And I think it'd be very important for NEHB to um, meet with her early on to really urge her to recognize that currently the, uh, the Department of Housing and Urban Development has a much broader agenda, a much broader mission than the one she's currently focusing on. Yeah, you know, you know, Dave, last week we, uh, you know, Jerry and I did our podcast and in the last couple, Jerry's talked about his conversation with, uh, with soon to be officially uh, Chairman, uh, Senate Banking and Housing Committee Chairman Sherrod Brown. And an optimism, a, a comprehensive housing bill. We get started on that, uh, and we all agree that that housing uh, does best when it's it's by the bipartisanship, and we kind of shoot right down the middle. Uh, the, the question is, you know, what would you like to see? We talked a little bit about GSEs. Uh, obviously, if, if HUD's going to focus on on the low end of the economic spectrum and help people achieve home ownership on the on the low end of the ladder, if we were to start putting together this a comprehensive bill. Uh, what are, what are some of the elements you you think the, are critical to that effort to to truly make a comprehensive? Well, one aspect of it I think is the FHA mortgage insurance program on the single family side. There's still a lot of problems in terms of the the types of lenders who are participating in that program. Uh, over the past uh, years, uh, the federal government has actually sued a lot of those lenders for rather minor uh, inadvertent errors, and many of them have decided it's not in their best interest to continue to participate. So uh, some steps were taken uh, recently. There's a memorandum of understanding uh, signed with the uh, with the HUD IG and the uh, Department of Justice that would uh, give these lenders some more confidence that they wouldn't face such uh, capricious uh, litigation. But many of them are still reluctant to come back in. So I think it's very important for the health and safety and soundness of the system to have both the insured depository institutions who have withdrawn as well as some of these non-bank uh, entities. We, we need a more diverse set of, set of participants and set of lenders for our single family program. On the multifamily side, I think there's uh, we really expect a push to have those programs serve uh, more low-income tenants. And we really, I think, still need a, a, a support for workforce housing. And so we, we have to make sure that that 221D, uh, D4 program is available for those who want to build properties to serve people up to beyond 100% of area median income, not, not the very low end of the market. Hmm. In terms of the grant programs, it's another area, I think, of concern where 
there's been some moves to uh, on those competitive grants to set up advantages for nonprofit institutions. And if, if we don't have the for-profit entities who really are much better, much more capable of producing housing and, and the quantity that's needed, uh, if they're cut off from those uh, those funds, which are needed, for example, for the low-income housing tax credit program, we're really going to suffer. Well, it's an interesting time. And, and I think that your conversation here with us, Dave, illustrates even more uh, tangi- tangibly why we need a comprehensive housing uh, bill. Uh, it's been um, since uh, 1990, uh, and all of the issues that you raised, the issues with Fannie and Freddie, really just serve to, to, to drive home the importance of uh, Congress hopefully getting together uh, and looking at that. And I know, uh, Jim, you're busy trying to find us uh, people that we can uh, light a fire under that would be interested in working with uh, Senator Brown if he's really interested in going forward. And uh, it, it'll be, it could be a very fun and exciting time for us. That's for sure. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I mean, anytime we can, we can advance the cause of housing is going to be great. Lord knows we're going to be on the defense a lot, uh, whether in Congress or in the administration, but if, if we can, uh, if we can put our energies and Congress's en- energies into doing something good for housing. I think uh, I think that helps everybody out. And let me just say this, uh, the following statement will be a word from our sponsor, Jim. Yeah, thank you, Jerry. Uh, I wanna thank everybody for listening, of course, and, and to remind you all to please subscribe uh, and look forward to, uh, to bringing new guests to the future. And we can't do that without your generous support and, and, and subscribership, so thank you. That was very well done, uh, Jim. It reminds me of watching uh, uh, public television. You do do, do a nice job. <laughs> Phones are starting to ring, Jerry. (laughs) (laughs) Dave, thanks so much for joining us. Um, We're hopeful that we'll have some uh, housing-related policymakers on with us in the future. And if that's the case, we certainly would like to have you come back and and join in the conversation. But uh, listeners, that was Dave Ledford, uh, our Vice President for Housing Policy. And I have to tell you, one of the, again, say one of the most uh, respected housing policy people in Washington, and also a little known fact, one of the most rabid Baltimore Raven fans anywhere, uh, which has been uh, a disappointment to him uh, this past year. Uh, but Jim Tobin as a Dolphins fan and myself as a Raider fan, we can understand that. And before we close again, I'd like to uh, thank the people who really make this happen for us, Paul Lopez and Reagan Hansford. Reagan, we, we may tease you, but you know, we really appreciate your hard work. Anyway, that's all for housing developments, and we look forward to seeing you again next time. So for now, goodbye. I'm Jerry Howard. And I'm Jim Tobin. And I'm Dave Ledford. Thanks very much. Thanks.